Tonight we continue in the 21st chapter. Remember, it is a chapter that is sewing things together as John's gospel comes to a conclusion. It is laying the foundation for the disciples to launch forward, now proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, yesterday evening, if you remember, we saw that before we can move forward, there are some things that we need to reconcile. Before we can move forward, there are some things that we as believers need to have resolved to be able to effectively make an impact carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, this chapter really is that process of getting everything reconciled as the gospel of Jesus prepares to go out with the start of the church. Remember for us personally, we have been through this study. We have moved verse by verse, even word by word, through the entire gospel of John, preparing us for what is next. And I've been trying to say that the last few days. Uh, This is not the goal. This is preparing us for the goal. This has not been the mission. It is preparing us for the mission. And I want you to be very certain tonight, if you are willing, and I'm talking to you, if you are available, God has great things ahead for you. Sometimes we think about, well, I hope the folks that see these videos, I hope for these folks over there. Listen, if you are willing, if you are available, God is preparing you and he has something great ahead for you. Our message tonight is entitled, A New Start, Part 2. The first part was last night, A New Start, Part 2. Tonight we're in John chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. John chapter 21 verses 12 through 17. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Beginning in verse 12, God's word says this. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him. Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight again. We're thankful for your grace shown to us. We're thankful for your love shown to us, that you so love all people, that you send your only begotten son, that by faith in him, we might be saved, we might be forgiven. Lord, we thank you for that. 
Lord, I'm thankful for 98 times together and to exalt you and to hear from you and your word. Lord, I pray that tonight is a tremendous night, not because of what we would do, not because of what we would muster up, but because of you, that you would speak in your word tonight, that your people, we would hear your voice tonight, and we would be greatly impacted in the hearing of the voice of our master tonight. Lord, I pray for some that do not know you. Lord, I know that you love them. I know that, that your desire is that none should perish, but that all would be saved. And so I pray in the hearing of the good news of a risen Savior, I pray that tonight, in this very night, that they would turn to you and trust you in faith. Lord, we come and just tell you, we worship you, we love you, we exalt you, we lift up your name. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight in our study of our verses, we're going to see three things. We're going to see tonight a revelation of Jesus we're going to see a recipe for leaders, and we're going to see a reinforcement of the gospel. So again, in our verses tonight, we will observe, we will see and study those three things, a revelation of Jesus, a recipe for leaders, and a reinforcement of the gospel. Now, let's begin with our verses tonight, starting back this evening in verse 12. Verse 12 says this. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. In verse 12, the disciples have all made their way to the shore. Peter swam, the, the other six rowed in the boat, and they've made their way to the shore. Well, the Bible says that having arrived on the shore, they have pulled the great net of fish onto the shore. It was too heavy to pull up into the boat, and so they have pulled the net onto the shore. Well, it's at this point that Jesus says to them, come and have breakfast. Now, I want you to see this. This is a call to fellowship. This is a call, really, to friendship. The sun is coming up. The campfire is going over there. There, Jesus has, has fish on it. And there, Jesus warmly says, come and have breakfast. Now, the verse says that no one asked who he was, not even one of them, because they knew who he was. The verse says, knowing it was the Lord. And they're not saying, well, who is this over there? They all know it was the Lord, verse 13. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Let me read that again. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. Now I want you to see this. He says, come and have breakfast. Now, evidently they are standoffish. Evidently they are hesitant. Jesus says, come and have breakfast. Never tell me they are standoffish. Now, number one, understand this. It is not every day you see a person resurrected from the dead. Now, they knew that he was. They understood who it was. But it is still an awe-striking thing 
for somebody resurrected from the dead to say, come and have breakfast. And so they are still in awe. And so they are hesitant. Now, the second thing is this, and this is the important thing. Remember this. He has caught them. He has found them as they are going back to fishing. Now, we talked about that last night. They were going back. This wasn't a recreational trip. They were going back to their old way of life. Peter's there. He says, let's go back to being fishermen. And they say, we'll go with you. And so Jesus has found them, and they're going back to their old way of life. Now, let me explain it like this. It's like if one spouse comes home and finds the other spouse packing a suitcase. That's awkward. <laughs> That's, you come in, and they're packing the suitcase, and, and you walk in. That is strange. Well, they had gone back to their old career. They had spent the night fishing. He has found them, and they've gone back to their old way of life. And so guess what? It is so awkward. He says, come and have breakfast. They're a little bit standoffish to come to the breakfast. Now, here's what I want you to notice. Notice Jesus goes. Here's what I love. And he gets the bread, and he gets the fish, and he breaks it apart, and he starts giving it to them. He starts serving them. Now, see this. What he is doing here, he is breaking the ice. He is removing all the weirdness. He is doing that. Listen to me. Jesus removes all of the barriers for their fellowship. Do you see how awesome that is? Do you see how gracious that is? They feel weird. They ought to feel weird. But he comes, and in kindness, he removes all of the weirdness that they would have full fellowship with him. Hey, doesn't that sound like Jesus? Doesn't that sound like Jesus? You need somebody in skin to come and save you? Guess what? Emmanuel, God with us, takes on flesh. You got a sin problem, and your sin has separated you from God? Guess what he does? He goes to the cross and remedies it there. Sounds just like him. He knows what's happening. It's okay. He understands. He says, come and eat breakfast. And then he starts to serve them. He removes all the barriers to their fellowship. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, verse 14. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now understand this is the third time in John's record. Now, we know from all of the gospel accounts uh, that it, he had manifested himself. He made himself known more times than this, but this is the third time in John's gospel. Now, remember from last night, the word manifested. It's an important word, the word manifested. In the original language, it means to reveal, to truly see or to make clear. Well, understand, they are seeing Jesus physically, but now they are seeing more than Jesus physically. They are seeing how Jesus truly is. Jesus is being made known in this event. Jesus is being revealed to them in 
this event. So the first thing we see tonight is a revelation of Jesus. The first thing we see in our verses tonight, a revelation of Jesus. Now, so far in chapter 21, what has been made known of Jesus? Just these accounts. In this account, what has been revealed of Jesus? Let me just point out a couple of things. Here's what we found. Here's what they saw of Jesus. The first thing is this. He is forgiving. He is forgiving. He forgives. He is the one that moves to bring them in. He is the one that makes them welcome. Jesus is forgiving. Second thing we see in our account in chapter 21, he is faithful. He is faithful. Do you know what's rare? And I would say, well, in these days, you know what's rare, but let me just tell you, evidently in all days, do you know what is rare? People that are faithful. People that are trustworthy. People that are faithful. People that are who they are, no matter what others are. That's a, that's a rare thing. Well, I want you to see here, Jesus is faithful. Jesus doesn't write them off. Jesus doesn't strike back in pride. He has called them. And even when they are not, he finds them leaving. He is faithful. Let me tell you something. Our Savior Jesus, he is faithful. He's faithful. Third thing we see revealed in this account, he is powerful. He is powerful. He is God. He is mighty. They go out all night and they catch no fish. You know what that was? <laughs> That's an act of God. These are professional fishermen. They fish all night. They know how to catch fish. They catch no fish. That's an act of God. He says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. That's crazy. Ten foot apart. And you know what? They have such a load of fish, they can't pull it up in the boat. You know what that is? That's an act of God. They are reassured in this event, Jesus is powerful. And then the fourth thing we see is this. The fourth thing revealed is this. Obedience is the key to following him. Obedience is the key to following him. Now, I want you to notice something. It's all the way through, and it's in our lives today as well. When they walk on their own, trouble comes. When they walk on their own, heartache comes. But when they obey, see this, the marvelous takes place. I want you to be very sure tonight the best way to live is in obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, that, that took me a lot of years to figure that out, and that took me a lot of trial and error to figure that out, and it took me a lot of time spent in God's Word to figure that out, but I want you to hear me. The best way to live is in obedience to Jesus Christ. Listen, it's not a punishment. It's not some duty that he says, let me put a weight on you. It's not some burden. Jesus actually has the best way to live. You want to live a life without drama and without chaos and without trouble? You'll find that when you live in obedience to Jesus. Obedience is the key to following Jesus. In fact, let me just go ahead and tell you the flip side of that. If you are not living in obedience, if you are living in disobedience, 
then you're not following Jesus. That's the plain fact. All right, so we have a revelation of Jesus. Let's go back to our verses, picking up in verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. Now, understand here in verse 15, there is still an issue that needs reconciliation here. There, and that's what this chapter is about. It's about reconciliation. Well, there's still an issue that needs reconciliation. And it was an issue that was hindering Peter. It's an issue that if it's not reconciled, will stop Peter. Now, I want you to remember this. Peter, we, we, we know this, had abandoned Christ. In fact, the Bible says he had even denied knowing Christ. Do you know him? I don't know him. John chapter 13, verse 37. Remember in that account, Peter boldly told Jesus, I will die for you. I will die for you. I will lay down my life for you. That's, that's what he told Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 26. He said, no matter what the others do, he started to put them down. I don't care what the others do. Whatever they do, I will never fall away. That's what he told Jesus. And yet when the pressure came, when the danger arose, he failed. He messed up. And that's what's wrong with Peter. That's why he wants to go back to his old way of life. Now, I want you to see this. It's not that he didn't know Jesus. He knew Jesus. It's that he knew himself. And he knew his weakness. He knew where he failed. He knew where he had the opportunity, and he blew it. And he thought he wasn't worthy any longer. That's the problem with Peter. He knows himself. Yes, he knows Jesus. But you know what? I can't keep that standard. I can't live like that. That's his problem. Well, I want you to see this. Peter denies Jesus three times. Now, we're going to see it in our verses. Jesus restores Peter three times. Now, there's a lot here, and there's really more than we're going to get to. We need 103 nights if we're going to get this done, but there's more than we can get to. But I want you to see this. Jesus says, Simon, son of John... Do you love me more than these? Now, here's what I believe, and, and, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but here's what I believe. When he says that, there's some that say he's talking about the other disciples. I don't believe that. Here's what I believe. I believe when he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I believe he moves his hand towards the boats and the nets and the big pile of lucrative fish. And he says, do you love me more than these? And he says to him, the things you once served, the things you once thought were valuable, do you love me more than these? Peter says to him, yes, Lord, I love you. You know that I love you. That's what he says. Now, it's an interesting thing, and I want to point it out. When Jesus asked him, do you love me? Jesus uses the Greek word agapeo. It's a form of that word, agapeo. If you know that, that is Christian love. We've talked about that in this study. It is, it is Christian love. Now, here's what it most literally translates. 
to love, to serve at the cost of self. We've talked about that. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion, but it is to serve at the cost of yourself. Well, Jesus says, do you agapeo, do you serve love at the cost of self? Peter answers, it's a different word. It's a Greek word, phileo. It means to have affection for. And so he says, do you love at the cost of yourself? Are you willing to give yourself? And Peter says, I have affection for you. That's what it means. Like a brother, I have affection for you. Well, Jesus says to that, tend my lambs. Tend my lambs. All right, verse 16. We're going to come back. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Verse 16, it's the same question. Guess what? Verse 16, it's the same answer. It's the same words. Jesus says, do you agape or do you love at the cost of yourself? And Peter answers back, you know that I phileo, you know I have affection for you. It's not the same meaning. Jesus says, well, then shepherd my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. The word shepherd in the Greek in the original language means to pasture my sheep. It means to lead them, to protect them, but to lead them to food. That's what it means. Take them to the pasture. Verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. This third time, Jesus doesn't say agapeo. He takes it down a notch and he uses the word that Peter had been saying, phileo. And so he asked the question now, do you have affection for me? That grieved Peter. It's not, do you serve at the cost of yourself? He says, do you even have affection? Do you have a affection for me? He's grieved. He's hurt. Why does he keep asking? Three times. Why does he keep asking? Why has he changed the verb form? Peter says, you know that I do. He knows he knows all things. You know that I do. And so Jesus says, tend my sheep. It's the same as the first response, feed my sheep. All right, tonight that brings us to our second point that we're going to see tonight, and that is a recipe for a leader, a recipe for a leader. Now, Peter is going to lead. He's going to lead the movement. He's going to lead uh, the, the gospel proclaiming movement of Jesus, and he is a leader. Now, we've seen that, he is a leader. Now, remember we saw it last night. He says, I'm going back to fishing. Guess what they all said? We'll go with you. Evidently, he is a leader. Well, see here, where Peter is consumed in his failure, Jesus, in these verses, restores him to his leadership role. Sheep refers to believers. Sheep refers to the church. And, and so it is no coincidence, see this tonight, that Peter has denied Jesus three times and Jesus 
recommissions Peter three times as well. And so from this tonight, we see the recipe for a Christian leader. Now listen, I want you to hear this. And I I want you to get this. I want you to be sure of this. This absolutely matters. You see, today we live in a day of false teachers. And man, they're everywhere. They're popping up in churches. They're getting behind pulpits. They're all over the internet. We live in the day of false teachers. We live in a day of false self-serving leaders. And let me just tell you something, brother or sister. If you are going to serve the cause of Jesus Christ, you better know who you're following as the leader in the church. We better be sure of the criteria of a leader in the church. It matters today. We better be sure. All right, here's just three things. The first thing we see in a recipe for a Christian leader is this, a total love for Jesus. A total love for Jesus. This is the first thing, I'll tell you that. It is the foremost thing. A leader in the cause of Jesus Christ must have a total consuming love for Jesus. Because listen to me, it is out of that love that they're gonna serve. It is out of that love that they're gonna endure. It's gonna be out of that love that they seek to honor Jesus. It's gonna be out of that love that they care for the sheep. And if their love is less than total, if it doesn't consume them completely, it will not work. It will not work. God's leaders, the church's leaders must be consumed in their love for Jesus. That's the first thing. Second thing we see, second part of the recipe is a total, now listen, it's a different word. It's close, but it's different. A total commitment to Jesus. Now there's a total love for Jesus. Now we see a total commitment to Jesus. See this, Jesus says in front of the other disciples, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the boats, than the the wealth of the fishing trade? He says it publicly in front of the others. Friends, be sure tonight, you cannot lead the cause of Jesus Christ and have a divided commitment. Did you hear that? You cannot serve yourself. You cannot serve the world. You cannot serve anything else but the cause of Jesus Christ, the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen to me, a split allegiance is no allegiance. Today I watch people, and boy, it just gets me. I watch people, and they want to use the church, and they want to use God's people to build something else. And I want to tell you what, they're creeping up, and they're, they're, they're multiplying, and they're getting in churches today. They want to use the church. They want to use God's people to serve something else, and usually They're building their own empire. God's leaders must be totally committed to Jesus Christ. A dual allegiance, split allegiance is no allegiance. And then here's the third piece of the recipe. 
Third piece of the recipe is this. God's leaders, a Christian leader, must be totally committed to the sheep. Must be totally committed to the sheep. Now, here's the deal. Listen to me. God's leaders serve him by serving the sheep. Now, that may be unattractive, and that may be a hard thing, and we might like to rephrase it some different way, but here's the truth. God's leaders serve Jesus by serving the sheep. That's how it works. That's how it goes. Now, here's the other deal, and I've noticed it. Some of the sheep are crazy. Some of the sheep are hard to deal with. Some of the sheep are hard to love. Now, not here, but in other places. Some of the sheep are hard to deal with. And so that's why the leader, guess what, must love Jesus. That's why the leader must be committed to Jesus. I don't have two things because they are called, listen to me, to take care of the sheep of the master, Jesus Christ. That is the gig of a leader in the Christian church. (laughs) I want to point something else before we move. We got a little bit of time. I want to point one thing out before we move on. Notice all of the Greek words. How is Peter going to serve the sheep? How is Peter going to care for the sheep? All three words in the original language, listen, it is the feeding of the sheep. All three words, it is the feeding of the sheep. How do you tend to the sheep? How do you pastor the sheep? It is in the feeding of the sheep. Friends, I want you to understand this. It is talking about the word of God. It is talking about, listen to me, the feeding of the word of God. Now, I want you to understand this, and wherever you go from here, whoever's listening in some other place, listen to me, be sure of this. The primary way, listen, the primary way that the leader cares for the sheep and protects the sheep and tends to the sheep and loves the sheep is in the preaching and the teaching of the word of God, the Bible. That's how it goes down. Listen to me. We live in a day where people seek all sorts of things from the pastor. I've heard it. They seek everything from the pastor. I want a pastor that does this, and I don't know why my pastor doesn't do that, and I'm mad about this thing and that thing, and I hear all of that. And all the while, they're building this thing they want from the pastor, from the leader, and all the while, the sheep are starving. Jesus says this, if you love me, brother, feed my sheep. It's the word of God, the Bible. I want to show you something right here. Here's Peter, and he's messed up. Man, he's embarrassed of it. Jesus is restoring him. He knew he was going to mess up. He's telling Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And you got to feed my sheep. Let me show you this. This guy on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, this guy on this early morning, he goes on to feed the sheep. He goes on to lead the church. And some years later, listen, he's going to die for it. He's going to be crucified for it. But some years later, 
Here's what he writes. This is what Peter writes. Now just listen, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. This is what Peter writes. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ. He was a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Here's what he says. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Listen to this. And when the chief shepherd appears, guess who Peter knew? He knew the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter got it. Praise the Lord, Peter. <laughs> so we see a recipe for leaders. Third thing we see tonight is this. We're almost done. Third thing we see is this, a reinforcement of the gospel. Now, this is very short, not that many points, very short, but I, I think it may be the most awesome thing in our verses tonight. Do you remember where Peter denied Jesus? It was in the courtyard after Jesus' arrest. Let me read this to you. John chapter 18, verse 18. Now, just listen. Now, the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire. For it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. In chapter 21, verse 9, I want you to listen to this. And so when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid with fish, placed on it, and bread. I want you to remember yesterday, Jesus knew where to be. and He also knew when to be there. And I want you to see tonight, it is here by this charcoal fire that we see a reinforcement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to see this. You see, in our gospel, Jesus pays for sin. Now, I want you to hear that. He pays for all sin. It's not some limited deal. He pays for all sin. Jesus pays for all sin. And the truth of our gospel is, if you will turn to him, there is no sin he will not forgive. There is no amount of sin that he will not forgive. And our gospel tonight is this. His grace is greater than our sin. His grace is always more, praise the Lord, his grace is always more than our sin. And our gospel is his grace is infinite. His grace is without limit. And I want you to see what happens here by a charcoal fire where Peter denies once, Jesus restores once. And where Peter denies twice, Jesus restores twice. And where Peter denies three times, Jesus restores a third time. And I want you to see this. 
Peter's denials run out before Jesus' grace ever does. And I want to tell you, had it been five denials, there would have been five restorations. Had there been 10 denials, praise the Lord, there would have been 10 restorations. And that is our gospel. His grace exceeds our sin, all of them. Well, that last sin wasn't covered. That's not our gospel. Well, that one right there was too much for our Savior. That's not his cross. His grace is greater than all our sin. Ooh, what a gospel. Ooh, what a gospel. Ooh, what a Savior. Grace, grace. I can't sing anyway. My voice is shot, but I can't sing anyway. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. That is our gospel. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. I'm thankful that your grace is infinite because you're infinite. Thankful that it's limitless, new every morning. We can't outsend your grace. Did you go to the cross to pay for our sin? But you didn't put a cap on it. You didn't put a limit on it. But you paid for it all. Jesus, Lord, you paid it all. Lord, I'm thankful for that grace. I'm thankful for its infinite supply. I'm thankful for that good news, that gospel. And I'm thankful that it's applied to sorry, messed up sinners like us in faith. Not of in work, not of, not of impressing people, not of in church attendance, not of any work that man would do, we would start to boast. But in the precious, gracious blood of Jesus, your grace is greater than all our sin. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I pray for two things. I pray, Lord, that the church tonight is encouraged. I pray that the church tonight is renewed. I pray, Lord, that we can't, we can't walk out of here without a smile on our face. What a Savior we have. And then I pray the other result is this. If there's somebody that doesn't know your grace, somebody carrying the weight of their sin tonight, somebody that feels like Peter, just too worthless, I pray that in hearing the true story of Jesus, tonight they would turn to you and they would find you. They would find that your word is true and your grace is greater than their greatest sin. And that tonight when they turn to you in faith, that you're faithful to your word. They'll find it. You cleanse them and you forgive them and you give them eternal life. Lord, I pray that's the fruit of this night. Lord, I pray for some that'll hear in other means tonight, maybe in other days. I pray, Lord, that you move and you work and they turn to you as well. Lord, we, we ask that you move in our time of invitation. We ask that you, we know you've spoken. We ask now that you remove any hindrance to a response. I pray, Lord, that sinners turn to you tonight. Lord, we just tell you again, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your gospel. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I wanna tell you, 98 days were all for a decision. 98 days were calling for a response. We weren't just doing this to, to have something to do. There's a, there's a response to be made tonight, and that is this, either receive Christ or reject him. The Bible says you reject him, you walk out of here, you can carry your sin. 
You'll die in that sin and you'll suffer the punishment now. You'll feel it now, but you'll suffer it for all eternity. But I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. God loves you and he sees you and he sees you. And while you were yet a sinner and you're a great sinner, he loves you so much. He sends his only begotten son. He dies in your place. He dies in mine. Paying the penalty for sin, that's what the cross is about. They put him in a grave, he's dead. Paying, having paid the price. Three days later, he walks out of that grave and he stands as the risen Lamb of God, our hope, our Savior, our King. The Bible says if you'll trust him for your salvation, tonight, as fast as you do it, guess what? It's settled in Jesus. It's finished in Jesus. If you never trusted Christ tonight, settle it tonight. If you're carrying the weight of your sin tonight, trust him, he'll forgive you tonight. If you think you're not good enough, you're right, you're not. But he paid for it, he settled it. Trust him, he'll save you tonight. If you've trusted Christ, but you've never fought in believer's baptism, we want to give you an opportunity to come and say, this is what I want to testify. This is what I want to signify. And we'll celebrate your baptism. You come, we'll set a date. It'll be a great day of testimony and celebration. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. And I say it all the time, don't you move if he hasn't led you. You believe God's led you here. You come and together we'll uphold this gospel, his word for his glory until he comes again. Maybe tonight, this 98th night, you want to come pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. His grace has no limit. You come tonight. We're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. If God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here. Settle it tonight. Settle it tonight.